My review of the Samsung Galaxy S21 Ultra. One messaging app to rule them all. Fossil has a new smartwatch that actually sounds pretty cool. Plus, your tech questions answered. What's going on? I'm Rich DeMiro, and this is Rich on Tech, the podcast where I talk about the tech stuff I think you should know about. It is also the place where I answer the questions you send me. I'm the tech reporter at KTLA Channel 5 in Los Angeles. Hope you are having a fantastic day. We are well into 2021. I'm still having trouble writing all the dates right now because they're very tricky. It's like 1, 22, 21, 1, 23, 21, 1, 24, 21, 1, 19, 21, 1, 20, 21, 1, 21, 21. It's just been really funny. And uh, I know there's like a whole bunch of like, uh, are they called palindromes where they're, you know, the same forwards and backwards for all these dates recently. Anyway, so I guess I'm not alone in having trouble because there is something uh, going on with the dates recently. But uh, welcome to the show. If you're listening for the first time, thank you for finding me. If you're listening for the second time, well, thanks for tuning back in. If you're listening for the 200th time, I probably do have that many shows actually because I've been doing this podcast in one form or another for a very long time now. And it's gone, if you've listened throughout the years, it's gone through different kind of uh, variations, I guess you can say. Sometimes it was like a 10 minute daily thing. Other times it was like a interview thing. And you know, now it's kind of settled upon this format, which I like, but honestly, if I had my way, if I had 100%, like the way Rich DeMuro wants to do this show, I would do a live call-in show every single day. And that's all I would do. And, you know, just talk about some of the things happening in the tech world, plus do the calls live. But this is the next best thing because it's, uh, it's a little bit, what's the word? Is it asynchronous? Um, you know, the, the, let's see, asynchronous means not existing or happening at the same time. So that's kind of what it is right now. So it's asynchronous because you can send me questions at any time and I can answer them on my schedule, which is really helpful because my schedule is kind of all the way over, all, all over the place. But uh, yeah, like today I'm doing the podcast in just a slightly different time than typical, but uh, it all works out. Anyway, welcome to the show. Thanks for uh, tuning in and, and listening. And uh, let's just get right to it because I, it just seems like every week I get more and more questions. So let's just start with the Samsung Galaxy S21 Ultra. I think last week I talked about the phone, but I didn't give you my opinion on it. And my opinion on this phone is that I love it. So it's it's basically all the problems I had with a Samsung phone are gone. And honestly, I kind of want to switch. The only thing that's keeping me right now is, is actually two things. The size of the device, and I feel like maybe I'd get used to that because I'm so used to the, the size of the iPhone at this point. And the quality of certain apps, and by certain I mean definitely social media apps are not as good on Samsung. I don't know why that is, but it just, they don't look as good and they don't perform as well. And I don't know why that is. And I, I, I mean, I kind of know why, but it's just really frustrating because this is a powerhouse of a phone. So everything that I had an issue with, they have seemed to fix. And, uh, you know, for starters, it's got that big screen. It's got the, the crazy camera set up on the back, which is, you know, like four cameras. Two are dedicated to zoom, so you can go up to 10 times optical. 
Then they've got up to 100 times space zoom, which last year was unusable. And this year it actually works. Now, I don't think you ever really need 100 times zoom, but it actually does work physically. So when you're zooming in on something, last year you'd have to hold the phone really steady. Of course, it would, you know, you couldn't at 100 times because any tiny movement would, would mess up your subject. Well, this time around, they, they use AI to kind of focus lock on your subject, and it actually does that. So that works. Um, there's so many features on the camera. It's just like you'll never use them all. I mean, if you go into more, I mean, there's like AR doodle, there's a promo, there's panoramic, there's food, there's night, there's portrait, portrait video, pro video, super slow-mo, slow motion, hyperlapse, director's view. And, uh, you know, it just goes on and on. Then when you get into the settings, you've got, you know, you've got, you can take uh, 40 megapixel front facing camera photos. You can take 108 megapixel back camera photos. You can take three, uh, three quarters, nine, 16, one-to-one square pictures or full pictures. You can take, uh, selfies by one of my favorite features actually on this device is that when you're taking a selfie, you can just hold up your hand, like your palm to the camera and it recognizes that. And then it snaps in a, a picture, which is just little things like that. Uh, everyday pictures and videos I find work really well on this camera. They're not, you know, are they 100% as good as, as iPhone? Not always, but sometimes the iPhone messes up. So, I mean, it's like, you know, if you take 100 pictures, sometimes, you know, you're going to say, oh, the iPhone kind of did better. And other times you're going to say, oh, wow, the Samsung, you can't, you can't match it. So at at this point, it's kind of like, you know, some things the iPhone's going to do better, some things the Samsung's going to do better. I posted a picture on my Twitter of uh, my afternoon espresso, and I don't have one every afternoon, but many I do. And, you know, people were debating, like, which one's better? Like, oh, this the left is better, the right is better, the left. They were almost identical with some subtle nuances to them. And again, it comes down to, like, maybe the next picture you take, the Samsung will be better versus the iPhone. So, I really am very happy with this device. Uh, I love the fact that you can use a stylus, even though, you know, I don't, I, I would have to get used to just keeping a stylus in my pocket, I think, for that feature. The whole memory card being gone is definitely a bummer because it would have been nice to buy a cheaper phone and then put the memory card in. The whole Samsung taking away the antenna for the Samsung Pay, eh, I mean, it's fine. So many places take mobile payment now, it's fine. And honestly, it was quite tricky to, use the Samsung Pay at a place that didn't accept mobile payments because they'd always kind of like be like, no, no, we don't take mobile payments. You're like, no, no, let me try this. And they don't really like you fooling around with payments. Um, the software features, the object eraser is really cool. The ability to share pictures without revealing their location is really cool. The built-in Google feed is really cool. So I, I have no problems recommending this phone. It, it's a really great device. And other than the size, I think it's perfect. And, um, you know, it's heavy, it's big, but if you want a powerful phone, that's what you have to kind of go for. And I think the lesser models, you know, when it comes to like the S20 and the S20, or sorry, the S21 and the S21 Plus, um, I didn't extensively test those. They did send a S20 for me to test, but honestly, if I was going to go with that size, I'd probably go with the iPhone because it's going to be a better device. This has, the, the S21 Ultra has everything you need and more than the iPhone. So that's the difference and why you'd want to go with this device. If I'm going to go with a smaller device that has, you know, three times zoom and, you know, a decent screen and whatever, and no, no memory card slot, I, I'd probably just go with the iPhone at that size. So if you want the bigger phone, the best, all these cool features, then you kind of have to go with the, uh, 
with the Ultra. And that's kind of the dilemma I, I see myself in. Also, the Apple Watch and AirPods. I have been testing the Samsung uh, answer to the AirPods, the new ones, the, um, the Galaxy Buds Pro. And they're good. I mean, I don't think they're as, as my favorite as the AirPods. Just kind of the AirPods stick in my ears. They just like stay there. The Samsung ones fall out a little bit easier, but they still, they work really well and they're, they're good. So Samsung in 2021, you get a good job. I think that you're getting closer to what the Android lovers kind of want, but also the everyday person kind of wants. And, um, you know, if it wasn't for iMessage and some of these other things like the Apple watch that are really keeping people locked into the iPhone, um, you know, and, and the better app selection there. I think that uh, you're, you're doing a really good job. So keep up the good work. And uh, I think that if you are looking for a Samsung S21, I have no reservations with any of the devices that they made this year. I personally would lean towards the Ultra, but if you want a smaller device, the Ultra, the S21 Plus is probably a good middle ground. I haven't tested that one. The S21 is, uh, you know, about the size of an iPhone. So or an iPhone 12, I should say. All right, let's move on. Oh, wrong one. Let's move on to the first question. Let's see. Anne via Facebook says, uh, facebook.com slash rich on tech. Did you know that Amazon eliminated their coal, the lending library that was once a benefit of Prime membership? It went away uh, January 4th, 2021. Nice, they let members know ahead of time. Oh, yes, the... Kindle lending library was kind of a small feature that was cool, but most people did not know about. And this feature specifically was if you owned a physical Kindle, they would let you lend out like I think it was one book at a time or something like that. And you can go on this Kindle lending library and find things like free eBooks, basically. And I did it for a couple of books and I thought it was like kind of a secret little weapon that they had in there that was kind of cool, like a little benefit. And I don't know if it ever expanded to like people that had, you know, the Kindle app, but I think it was, um, anyway, I, you know, they, uh, it looks like from an article I said they replaced it with like prime reading, which I do get emails about that. But anyway, the Kindle lending library, honestly, it's cool, but it was always so limited anyway in what you can get. And it was, you know, tricky because you can only have one thing at a time or something like that. So it's gone. It's, I'm always sad when things go away, but you know, I'm sure Amazon had the details on how many people actually took advantage. And what I use now is called Libby, L-I-B-B-Y, which is an amazing app that lets you get pretty much any ebook for free anyway. It is limited because you're, you're actually lending them out from your local library and there are time limits on that. But I find that, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. And so that's what I've been using to read on my Kindle 99% of the time. In fact, I went through my book that I just, I just finished the uh, Instagram book. It was called, uh, I think it was called No Filter. Yeah, No Filter. And uh, it's called The Inside Story of Instagram, which was great. And I read it for free through Libby. And when I was done, it was time for a new book. And the only downside I find to Libby is that your books, the books that are available don't always match up with your time frame of when you're done and ready for a new book. So I ended up downloading a sample of another book I wanted to read through, in, uh, through face, sorry. Um, 
I downloaded a sample through my, uh, you know, just Amazon. And then when I was done with the sample, it was like, oh, do you want to continue reading this for $11.50? And I couldn't bring myself to pay because I'm so used to Libby now. And I like getting my stuff for free through Libby. So, but that book's not available right away. So anyway, I know, I know. Um, but anyway, that's, uh, you know, sad that it's gone, but I think that uh, there must have been a certain amount of people that used it and didn't take advantage of it. So Amazon said, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. All right. So uh, WhatsApp, you know, they had this big thing with WhatsApp where they wanted to change their privacy policy because they, oh, <laughs> I don't know if you can, <laughs> I don't know if you can hear this, but I've got my son in the other room that he can play like you have no idea. <laughs> he can play, you know, I'm working from home. And my kid, my nine-year-old, I'm not kidding. He can play like you have no idea. He can take his toys and just play for an hour in his room. And in between his Zoom sessions at school, he goes into his room and he's just absolutely wild with his play. And it's fantastic. I love it because it's Real play, it gets a little wild and, you know, he crashes his toys around and stuff, but like, I don't care. Like my wife is like, his whole room, the, the walls are all messed up because he crashes his toys. I, I said, I don't care. He's playing with real toys. What kid does this these days? And so he screams, he yells, he, you know, he's got all these little things that he does with his toys and I love it, love it, love it. So if you can hear that, that's why I'm laughing because it's just so loud in the background. <laughs> anyway, you probably can't hear it because this mic is really good. But anyway, if you do, that's what's happening. And kudos to my kid. I keep telling him, start a YouTube channel. He, he does have a YouTube channel, but he does like, you know, playing Roblox and all these other games. Well, Roblox is banned in our house, but he does Minecraft. And so, you know, I said, Parker, you really need to do a YouTube channel where you play with toys and kids just watch you play with them because that's really interesting. And that's kind of a lost art with kids these days. My other kid, my six-year-old, you know, he'll play with him a little bit, but, you know, these kids, like I used to play all the time. And my wife and I were discussing this. Like, we played nonstop. Like, that's all we did. You know, video games once in a while, but then we played. And anyway, so I love that he plays. And he sets little uh, Google Home alarms that, uh, you know, tell him when it's time to go back to class. Anyway, I digress. If you wanted a longer podcast, you got it. Okay. Um, so WhatsApp, they tried to change their policy or their privacy policy, and people revolted. And they said, WhatsApp, we're out. Now, I don't really think they need to do that, but it, a lot of people have been downloading Signal and Telegram. And so I did a story on KTLA kind of explaining the differences between these two apps. And there is a difference. And number one, I don't think that people need to flock from WhatsApp. If you're using it, stick with it. You're fine, especially if you're using Instagram and Facebook. I mean, it's all the same company. And, you know, if you're not worried about your privacy on Facebook and Instagram, then you shouldn't be worried about your privacy on, on Signal, on, uh, on WhatsApp. WhatsApp is actually very secure because it does use end-to-end -end, um, encryption by default. And not many apps do that. And what that means is that nobody can see your messages, not even Facebook, even if they ever wanted to. So it's very secure. And the reason why I didn't choose WhatsApp in the past as my preferred messenger is because it was too secure. I wanted to be able to access my messages on various devices at the same time. And when I tried that with WhatsApp, you couldn't. And that was why I never actually used it. And I kind of liked Facebook Messenger better because it's a privacy trade-off. If you want to access your messages across a whole bunch of devices like I do, you, can't, you can use encryption, but you can't use end-to-end -end encryption. 
And that's what makes all these other apps. Uh, so I ended up using Telegram as my preferred messaging app for the past couple of years, which is fine, but it, I find out it doesn't have end-to-end and that's why. Now, Signal does have end-to-end and this is another one that a lot of people are downloading and Elon Musk famously tweeted, I say famously, it was like a couple of weeks ago, but he just said, use Signal. And this this app is end-to-end encrypted and, you know, again, it's, it's very secure. It's the most secure messaging I think you can have online at this point for the average person. I'm sure there's something more high powered out there, but for the average person that can download an app to their iPhone, I think Signal is the most secure. Telegram is secure. It's just not end-to-end. Now, if you want end-to-end in Telegram, before you message someone, you have to do something what's called a secret chat, and then that will be end-to-end, but when I tested that, my secret chats don't show up on my various devices because I think it has something to do with the end-to-end where it just, it can't put those on various devices because of the encryption. So anyway, um, WhatsApp has delayed its changes until May 15th. And if you really want to know the changes that WhatsApp wanted to do, what they wanted to do is keep your private messages private. So your personal messages, person to person would still remain end-to-end encrypted. But the messages that you send to a business, Facebook wanted to be able to scan those messages so that they could sell ads against those messages. And why does that make a lot of sense? Well, because they figured, okay, if I'm a travel agency and I'm communicating with people through WhatsApp, well, and let's say I, I, I text the, well, let's say I'm the travel agency and then, you know, I'm the person on the other end that's, that's texting the travel agency. Well, I text the travel agency, hey, do you have any deals to Maui, Hawaii? And Facebook's little bots pick up on Maui, Hawaii. And next thing you know, now they're sending me ads based on Maui or they're selling me ads sold against my Maui, Hawaii interests. And it makes a lot of sense because, you know, while even Facebook said a lot of people aren't private messaging businesses right now, but they do see that as a huge growth area in the future. And they are so right about that. Because we're already seeing this with Instagram, where when you message a business on Instagram or you follow a business, people just DM them or on Twitter, they DM them. And I think that Facebook sees the writing on the wall when it comes to messaging businesses, it's going to become a very popular way to sort of get in touch with businesses quickly and they want to be able to make money off of that. So I get it. And again, it's it's like, do you really need those messages to be secure anyway? I mean, you're sending them to a stranger. So I'm not advocating for less privacy, but I don't think that if you message a business, you have any sort of idea that that message would not be shared among a whole bunch of people. If I message United Airlines on Twitter, do I think one person is reading that message? No, many people are reading it. They're sending it through all kinds of systems that scan it for like, you know, various things, whatever I say, and getting it to the right department. And, um, you know, I think that Facebook, it's tricky. They bought WhatsApp, for a lot of money and, um, you know, they want to make a return on that. And anyway, it makes a lot of sense. So there you have it. Now you know the difference. So if you want the most private personalized or private messaging, you got to go signal, but there are some downsides to that. Again, um, you know, iMessage is just as secure. It's very secure. Well, maybe not just as secure as signal, but it's very secure. And so, um, if you're on that, you know, the toughest part is getting your friends to switch to these various messaging apps. If they're not on there, they're useless. So if you can get them to switch, great. If you can't, just stick with what you got. As long as it's not text messaging, that's the most insecure messaging out there. Anyone can read anything you send through text. So don't use text. All right, next question. Amber, via my Facebook page, facebook.com slash richontech says, with all the new plus 
channel streaming, HBO Max and Discovery Plus, for example, moving shows from cable. Do you think cable services will become obsolete? The answer is probably yes. At some point. Amber, this is a very slow process. It's kind of like when people have been saying how newspapers are going to die forever. And, you know, they kind of have like the delivery to your doorstop. Yeah. Or your driveway, I should say. And, you know, I was a paper boy when I was a kid. So believe me, I have, I have a deep, deep love for newspapers and I don't get any delivered. I love the newspaper and I do read the Wall Street Journal on a regular basis, but do I get it delivered? No. Do I love the app? Yes. Would I love, would I love flipping through the newspapers? When I was, you know, back in my New York City days, every day, and even, uh, you know what, throughout my entire life, I always subscribe to newspapers because I love the idea that it's not siloed. You can be flipping through the newspaper and you're reading a story that's interesting and your eyes move to a different part of the page and, huh, I would never normally look up this story, but here it is on this page and I'm going to read about it. And it, it opens your mind to things that in this world, these days with our siloed media, we are, we are just seeing the stuff that we want to see. And it's very important to see all kinds of stuff. And that's what the newspaper to me always embodied that I'd be reading about, you know, the stuff that I want to read about. But on that same page, there might be a tiny little article about a company that I don't necessarily know about or care about, but I'm going to discover it. And I think that can be applied to various aspects of the paper and various sections of the newspaper. And so do I think cable is going away? Yes, slowly but surely. But um, I don't think it's going to go away right away. But you you are seeing it tougher. Do I think anyone's starting a cable channel anytime soon? I don't think so. I mean, the, the to me personally, when I see the programming grid on a, you know, like a TiVo kind of screen, I don't understand why you would need that anymore because to me, everything's on demand. Now, when it comes to live sports or live news, that's a little bit different. I still think those are best consumed live, but even on the evening news last night, I heard them say at the end, um, you know, if you don't catch us live, be sure to DVR us. And I thought that was interesting because they are recognizing that people do DVR. And, you know, I think that there's a place for that too. I mean, if you know, the station I work for, we're on almost all day. So, I mean, you can tune in and pretty much catch the news at almost any time. But if you happen to get home at 7.30 and, um, you know, we're not not actively in a newscast and you TiVo the uh, 7 p.m. or the 6 p.m. newscast and then play it at 7.30 when you get home, that's fine. I mean, it makes sense. You're probably not going to watch it three days later like you would a show that you might have historically recorded. So, Good question. Uh, I personally am all in on the streaming services. I love them. I, I love the flexibility of them. I love how you can cancel and resubscribe. The only thing that I think someone does need to tackle is the whole idea of organization. It really is tough to find the stuff you want to watch and figure out where it's playing. And also, you know, shows could be on a, a much longer runway than they ever were for, for having people discover them. So Queen's Gambit, for instance, um, was it Queen? Is it Queen's Gambit or Gamble? Queen's Gambit, right? Yeah, Queen's Gambit. I had some friends over, socially distanced, very safe in our backyard. This was months ago. And um, they said, oh, you got to watch this show, The Queen's Gambit. And I was like, okay, uh, I know there's so many great shows. And this was probably two months before anyone said, oh my gosh, this is the best show ever, which I still haven't watched, but I know people love it. So my point is, you know, how do we find out about these shows? It's kind of tough, you know, without 
um, just the main shows that are on the main networks now. There's so many ways to find new shows. So good question. All right. Uh, the play is still going strong, by the way. <laughs> uh, Fossil has launched a new LTE-equipped smartwatch. And this is exclusively on Verizon. It's called the Fossil Gen 5 LTE Touchscreen Smartwatch. Is that really the name of this thing? It's kind of a weird name. But it sounds pretty cool. It sounds like a nice smartwatch for users on Android. It uses Wear OS. It's got uh, 8 gigabytes of storage. It's got the Snapdragon Wear 3100 uh, inside, whatever that means. It has LTE, which means you can sync it with your smartphone using Verizon Number Share. And I have this with my iPhone. And what it does is it basically means that your iPhone and your Apple Watch are synced up. So if you get a call, you can leave your your iPhone at home and you can still just get all your texts and, and voice you know calls when you're out and about. I love it. And this is a nice alternative on the Android side of things. Comes in two colors, a combination of black straps on a smoke tone stainless steel and blush straps on a rose gold case. So it sounds like they're targeting, um, you know, whatever your style is there. 45 millimeter case size, endless strap options. Um, Let's see. It's got a swim proof speaker. So you can have calls, functionality and responses from Google Assistant which, uh, you know, that's kind of neat because you can hear this all through your... So if you're out and about, you've got the speaker on it, you can just make your calls hands-free through the speaker. It's got eight gigs of storage, which is fine. It's not that much, but it's probably good enough. It's got extended battery mode. It's got daily mode. It's got a time-only mode. So it sounds like they know battery life is sort of an issue with these things, but, you know, I haven't tested it, so I can't tell you how it lasts. It's got a 1.3-inch touchscreen display. It is swim-proof, like I said, which is pretty cool. It's got NFC, so you can have your tap-to-pay in there. It's got GPS. It's got heart rate, accelerometer, gyroscope, ambient light, microphone, and speaker. So I think this sounds like a winner if you're on Android. $350 available at Verizon exclusively. So this does come with a couple caveats. You have to be on Verizon. You have to be on Android. But I think that the main thing that's lacking in the Android ecosystem right now is a nice smartwatch that rivals the Apple Watch. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know I've said that I love my Apple Watch. And in fact, it is one of the things that is the glue for the iOS uh, ecosystem or the Apple ecosystem. And Apple knows this. Why do you think they haven't made iMessage work with uh, Android? Why do you think they don't make the iPhone work with Android? Yeah, they could say all day that it's proprietary and it needs the iPhone. No, it does not. They came out with a way of using the Apple Watch with the, the family setup. It, you set it up through the iPhone. It never needs to connect to the iPhone ever again. And it's limited. It's not as perfect. But again, you know, they, the Apple knows what they're doing. They're, they're continuing to make their ecosystem. Whenever you hear the Apple ecosystem in the same line, you always hear sticky or it keeps you in. These are the products that, that you know, kind of lock you in, lock in. With Android, we don't have any of that because there is no lock-in. You can take all your stuff out of Android in about 10 seconds, and you can sign into an iPhone, and your email is there, your, your everything's there, you know? So, I, I don't know. Am I switching to the Fossil anytime soon? I don't think so, but I might want to test it out. I might request a, uh, a review unit to test this thing out, because I think that Android users need an alternative and something that works nicely, and it sounds like this one, you know, checks off all the boxes, of what you'd want. I don't, um, 
The other one is is, is Fitbit. You know, they they just got purchased by Google, and that deal is done. So maybe we'll see a, a nice Fitbit smartwatch that is really really good and a little bit closer to what Apple offers, especially with the apps and integrations. I mean, that's really the magic of the Apple Watch is that. They, you know, they had a while where the apps were not really doing much on Apple Watch, and now they've gotten to the point where, like, there are some pretty useful things on Apple Watch. Well, I take that back. Most of it is is pretty much the standard stuff built in, but there are a, enough apps on there that there are functionality that, you know, sometimes, you know, you do want to use, and, and they work pretty well, so... All right, let's go to podpage.com slash rich on tech. Podpage.com slash rich on tech for a voice message. This is um, this is where you can leave a voicemail on my page, and uh, I will I will hear it. So that's what uh, Donald did. Let's hear you, Donald. Hey, Rich, what do you think about the uh, Microsoft uh, Surface Pro, dude? Uh just got to want to know uh, what you think about it. Uh, thank you. All right. Now, I'm not sure if Donald said Surface Pro Dude or Surface Pro Duo. So I, you know, I don't know. Well, okay. So if you're talking about the Surface Pro Duo, the Surface Pro Duo is a, um, is a, is Microsoft's smartphone slash tablet slash foldable device and it's uh you know it's a small foldable device and this is funny this is uh, uh i justine when i was up at ces she brought her surface duo they did not send me one for review purposes i guess they figured my audience uh, was not interested in this but uh, you know it, it is kind of a niche device because it's expensive and it's a first generation and i probably um i might have talked a little bit of trash about it because I said that, you know, it's kind of a first generation. I'd stay away from it. So maybe they heard that and they just said, no, we're not going to even bother with you, Rich. But uh, whatever the reason is, Justine said she actually likes it a lot. It's a great size. She loves how it opens up. And um, while she did not let me touch it because of COVID reasons, um, you know, it looked cool, but I'll be honest, she was on her iPhone most of the time. So I mean, uh, you know, it's, but she said she loves browsing the web on it and doing all that cool stuff. And, and I look, I think that this kind of device is part of our future. There are definitely going to be more iterations of this. And I think the, the biggest downside was the camera on that device. But otherwise, I mean, yeah, something that folds up and you can use it for texting and browsing the web and all that stuff. I think it's great. Now, the Surface Pro, if you were talking about that, I mean, Microsoft has had a lot of success with the Surface lineup, and I think they're doing a great job. And I think, in fact, Microsoft in general is really doing a nice job with their top-to-bottom kind of integration of apps and services, and I really have not seen a dud out of Microsoft in a while. And I think that they are doing a really nice job. I think they understand that there is a there's a large amount of people out there that do not necessarily need Apple products and they want to be a little bit more productive and they want something on the Windows side because they're more a little bit more business oriented. And so these Surface devices have been great because they, they double as a, um, you know, a tablet and a laptop. And I think we've seen Apple not copy, but we've seen inspiration because Surface was doing this way, way long ago. 
where you had a device that could stand up on its own and has a, a keyboard case and a stylus. And we kind of see the identical thing now with Apple with their iPad Pro and they all kind of support a stylus. They all have got the keyboard cases. They all can stand up on their side. So again, different different people need different things. And uh, I think that these are, are a great little device and it just kind of depends what you want to do. Are you in the Apple ecosystem or are you more business oriented with the uh, Microsoft stuff because your company uses all Microsoft? So, and I think they've seen a lot of, um, a lot of take up with the, uh, you know, with the business side of things with teams, especially during the pandemic. And also let's not forget Microsoft Edge. Uh, I've talked about how good that browser is. So I, I think, the, no matter what you asked about uh, Donald, whether it was the Duo or the uh, the Surface Pro, I think they're both great products. I think the Duo, I would not recommend purchasing because I just don't think that it's there just yet, but I think it's something to watch. And again, just like Microsoft was, was pretty early with the original Surface, I think the Duo is a little bit early when it comes to foldables. Even with Samsung, we saw their first foldable to the second gen. They did a great job of improving it. In fact, I was just watching a video with all the YouTubers saying what their favorite gadget of the year was, and a lot of them was the Z Fold. They really, really, the Z Fold 2 specifically, they loved it. And I love that device when I had it. It's just, again, it's not for me right now, but I think it's one of those things to keep an eye on. So uh, good question. All right, let's move on to, um, I thought this was pretty interesting. Bark is a company that analyzes social media and apps that your kids are using. And they've got like, kind of like, you know, a lot of parents will email me and say, hey, Rich, how do I monitor what my kid's doing on Snapchat and all these things? Bark will analyze like 30 plus apps and platforms to see kind of like what your kids are doing and they could send you alerts based on AI. So instead of having to go through every text message that your kids is, that your kids are sending, AI will say, oh, this one looks a little sus. You might want to, you might want to look into that one. So they analyzed, uh, let's see, uh, let's see, they analyzed, uh, children's online activity with, with a specific focus on kids 10 to 18. And they analyzed more than, uh, I don't know, 2 billion messages across 30 apps. And here are the trends. 76% of teens and 82%, oh, 76% of tweens and 82% of teens experience cyberbullying. 45% of tweens and 66% of teens engaged in conversations about depression. Now, that was just unheard of when I was a kid. I mean, I, I honestly didn't even really know what that was when I was a kid. And now, my wife being a therapist, I mean, I definitely, um, or yeah, counselor, therapist for teens. I mean, I definitely hear more about that, which is just wild. 70% um, of teens and 87% of teens encountered nudity or content of a sexual nature. Uh, that's scary because, again, when I was a kid, didn't really have that either. 41% uh, of tweens and 66% of teens were involved in self-harm slash suicidal situation. That's really scary. 78% of tweens, 91% of teens engaged in conversations surrounding drugs and alcohol. And 88% of tweens and 94% of teens expressed or experienced violent subject matter or thoughts. So uh, I think the takeaway from this is that your kids are being exposed to a lot of stuff, whether you realize it or not, especially being home, especially being on computers, especially how connected they are. I mean, my kid the other day was on Minecraft and I was looking at his chats at, over his shoulder for a second and the person on the other end was asking my kid if they can call them. 
And he was saying, I don't know, you know, I, I said, hold on, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? And the person was like, hey, uh, you know, I don't really like to use uh, voice to text. It's so much easier just to, just to call. Can I call you? And my kid doesn't know who this person is. And so my point is you have to be really on top of this stuff because I don't know who this person was that my kid was communicating with, which is scary as a parent to begin with. But, uh, you know, this person was sounding like um, someone I don't want my kid to talk to. And so my kid was like, well, he's just saying that he wants to, you know, it's easier to, to talk. And I said, I don't know. That's, that's a little weird. And anyway, so you got to be, you got to be careful about this stuff. Um, let's see. So the apps that are the scariest for all these different things I just talked about. Top app for uh, flagged for suicidal stuff is Twitter. Top app for depression, Twitter. These are apps that are flagged by AI as seeing the most conversations dealing with these things. Top app uh, flagged for severe body concerns, uh, body issue concerns, body image concerns. TikTok, no surprise there. Severe bullying, Twitter. Uh, let's see. Top apps. Okay, yeah. So if I'm reading this correctly as a parent, uh, Twitter is the problem. <laughs> Instagram is a close second because a lot of kids are on there. But realistically, what this comes down to is where are the kids communicating? And it's, it's yeah, I mean, it's Twitter, it's, it's Instagram. So you just got to be aware of this stuff. I don't have the answers. I really don't because I'm seeing what's happening with my kids in lockdown and they're on their computers more. They're just doing more things than I ever did at their age on devices. And I don't really have advice except that you have to kind of just monitor and stay on top of this stuff and do the best you can and just kind of be aware that it's happening and don't just don't pretend that you don't think it's happening because it's happening. All right. So let's get to another question. God, really uh, Debbie Downer over here in that section of the podcast. Let's talk to Dawn. Dawn says, I live in Westchester, very close. Oh, shoot. Well, I guess I could say where they live. I live in Westchester, very close to LAX. Today, we had a sales guy from Starry Internet come by to offer us free internet for six months as they are beta testing in our area. I've never heard of them starry.com. Do you know anything about this service? You're the first person I thought to ask. Sincerely, Dawn. Yes, Dawn, I, I do know about this service. So I was at an event back when you can go to little get-togethers about probably three years ago at this point that the people from Starry were there and they said, we're launching wireless internet in Los Angeles. That's going to be 50 megabits per second. And I said, what? How, how are you doing that? Like this was unheard of, right? Even 50 megabits was like, fast back then. And so I said, nah, I don't, I don't think you could do that. And sure enough, a couple years later, they actually did, they showed me their little modem they had. And I asked them how they were going to do it. I said, is this coming from the, you know, is this coming from the sky? Like, where's this coming from? And it was coming from wireless antennas that they installed on top of buildings. And then that would, you know, somehow beam the internet into the building with the, the wireless kind of router in your or, so basically, they would put an antenna somewhere, you know, or either near your building or on top of it, and then they would give you a modem that was wireless, and it would grab that signal from over the air and then put it into your house or your apartment. And so they've done a pretty good job. They've expanded for sure. I think it's back then they pitched it to me. It was like 50 bucks a month for 50 megabits per second. And I don't know if that's changed. I, can, I guess I can look it up. But... Um, uh, yeah, go for it. I mean, if they're giving you six months free, I would definitely do that. So now it looks like outrageous. Okay, their website says 
$30 a month for fast internet. And that is up to 100 megabits per second. And $50 a month now gives you up to 200 megabits per second. And it, I guess they're using 5G to accomplish this. So I'm guessing they're piggybacking on either, you know, Verizon's 5G network or AT&T's 5G. But again, this all goes into kind of the idea that I've talked about on this show for many years that when we get this 5G super fast internet in a lot of places, it's going to be game changing because you are now going to have a choice at your house of T-Mobile as your internet, Verizon as your internet, AT&T as your internet, and that's huge. So, um, you know, you, you don't have to do, you don't have to go at just the people that can wire a line to your place, which, you know, right now that's pretty much what most people are limited to. So it's going to open up competition. It's going to be great. It's going to be, you know, less contracts. I mean, right now I don't think there's any contracts with any of these, but it, it's going to be good. And so more competition is going to be better. And we're just going to continue to see these 5G networks build out in a bigger and better way. All right, let's go to the next story on my list here. This, this is an interesting one. We've, we've heard about these things before. They keep trying them. I'm telling you this just to be aware of it, but I don't think it's going to succeed, but we, hopefully it does, but I don't think so. So there's a new app called Beeper, and what they're trying to do is unify all of your messaging into one app, and it works with WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, iMessage, Android Messages, Telegram, Twitter, Slack, Hangouts, Instagram, Skype, and a whole lot more. Now... I don't know. Number one, the idea that one inbox can work with all these different messaging apps. I mean, I have got to see it to believe it. We've seen this before and it's never as pretty or as good as you want. And the big one here that a lot of people are talking about is the fact that this will work with iMessage. And you think to yourself, well, wait, nothing works with iMessage. And um, the reality is, how they're making it work with iMessage is a little bit of foolery, a little bit of trickery here. And the trick here is that they are actually giving you an iPhone 4S that is jailbroken that you keep kind of like in your house connected to the internet so that that can be the relay for your iMessage at all times. Now, that is a very, very scary thing because, you know, it's... It's weird. It's a workaround. Yes, does it work? Probably, but will it? Will they find a loophole, or will Apple close loophole? Probably. So you can't really build a business on something like you know, kind of wedging. You're wedging a uh, you know, you're wedging into a hole that you just can't really stay in. You know, because Apple's going to figure out a way around this. Now, maybe they won't. Maybe because there's been other things over the years that do something similar, and. Um, you know, there's these programs that make you install like a server on your computer to, to relay your iMessages, but your, your computer has to be on the whole time. And that's just not very realistic. So I guess with the phone, I, it kind of makes sense. You just keep the phone plugged in at all times in your house. It's on Wi-Fi, and somehow it relays the message. But again, it has to be jailbroken because there's nothing that would be able to tap into that iMessage that would just be an app you can standard install on your phone. So this gets very complicated. It's called Beeper. You can check it out. But again, it's also 10 bucks a month. And people are excited because it sounds great to have all your messages in one place and finally be free of Apple's lock on your iMessage. But 
the reality is I don't think it's going to work. But we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Sometimes I am wrong. All right, let's take another message from podpage.com slash richontech, podpage.com slash richontech. If you want to leave a voicemail, just look in the lower right-hand corner for the microphone, and you can leave a voicemail just like Michael did. Hey, Rich, this is Michael from Micro Break Podcast, and I just wanted to thank you for your show. I learned something every single time I listened to it, and I've been listening for the past few years. As a matter of fact, it was one of the first podcasts that I ever listened to and subscribed to. I just wanted to thank you. You've also been an inspiration in starting my own podcast, and I really appreciate everything you do. Keep up the great work, and thanks again for your technical advice. Wow. Well, thank you, Michael. Uh, Michael, I often, I recognize the name because I often see you tweeting me on Twitter. So I will check out your podcast, uh, the Micro Break Podcast. So uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm not listening to as many podcasts these days as I would like. And so I'm not like, I used to have my, I used to have like a podcast uh, playlist that I would listen to on basically anytime I was in the car. So anytime I was driving to work, driving home, driving to my stories, I would listen to so many podcasts. And because I'm not driving, it's really tough for me to listen. And I don't really listen to podcasts at home. For some reason, I don't know if I'm programmed wrong or what, but I can't really listen to podcasts in the background, number one. And I also can't listen to podcasts while I'm working. Like I can't have it, my ear like on a podcast, you know, with like headphones in while I'm trying to work. So that just doesn't work with me. And if I listen while I'm working, like if I have it on like a smart speaker in the background, I don't listen to the podcast because I can't really hear it. So um, anyway, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that I, um, anyway, I don't know what my point was, but <laughs> thank you, Michael, for listening. I get so distracted. I'm not kidding. I'm sitting here doing this podcast. My watch is going off like crazy. Um, I'm going to take that off because it just keeps vibrating. Uh, my computer keeps going off. I guess people are texting. Oh, now my phone's going off. <laughs> I can't win. There's just too many things. Oh my gosh, too much technology surrounding me. Uh, I want to focus just for an hour so I can do this podcast. But uh, Michael, thank you for that. And uh, when I get to listening to podcasts more, believe me, I will listen to more. All right, let's, uh, let's get, oh my gosh, another Michael. Another Michael for the next question. Uh, Michael says, Hey Rich, I went to my carrier store Verizon to see about upgrading my old iPhone six plus and expected to pay the $700 for a newer model. They said if I traded it in, they would give me $500 towards an iPhone 12, but I'd have to sign up for a new unlimited plan that would last for two years. I really don't care about the two year commitment because I've been with them for 12 years, but I don't see how they can give me $500 towards a new phone. I've always bought directly from Apple and they would only give me $50 for it. I've never been on a monthly plan, so it's strange new territory for me. I'm 68 years old. I have a brother and sister on my plan. I pay $95 for two gigs a month. However, they've given me an extra two gigs for being a retired vet. Thank you for your service. I do appreciate that, Michael. Together, we use less than two gigs a month, so the data is not an incentive. They also said my monthly bill would only increase by $5. I've always believed that if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is, but I thought I'd write to see if you can enlighten me a bit on how these monthly plans work. Thank you for your time and information you can give me. Michael, you are very smart for saying if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And for this deal, I'd probably say, uh, here's, okay, number one, these carriers are not just out of the kindness of their heart giving you a very expensive phone for very cheap. 
So you kind of nailed it in certain ways. You said that you have to sign up for a new unlimited plan. That's your first red flag. And it would last for two years. Now, you are kind of, okay, the thing is, the plan is is contract free. There is no contract with the plan, but here's where they get you. That $700 they're giving you for that iPhone 12, towards the iPhone 12, it is prorated, which means it is spread out over 24 months. So the way they do it is that if you cancel before those 24 months are up, guess what? You've lost your promotion. And now that promotion, you have to pay it back. And you owe, I don't know, the full amount, I think. And them telling you that your plan is only going to go up $5 a month, I don't believe that at all. You've got three people on your plan. There is no way that you can get three people on a plan for $100 a month. That just, that's not possible through Verizon on an unlimited plan. Now, unlimited plans at Verizon might start at $80 a month, and that's, you know, for the three of you, but... Or they may say that your plan's only going up $5. They didn't mention the other two plans that you also have to pay. So I, you know, I think, so I used to sell cell phones a long time ago. And the joke was always that, you know, we used to give the phones away for a penny and you sign up for the plan. And back then it was like minutes, you know, you got like 300 minutes, probably like 25 minutes, whatever it was. It was so long ago. But like clockwork, people would get their phone for a penny and they'd come back into the store after a month when they got their first bill or a month and a half. And they'd be like, what's this $500 bill? And they didn't realize that their whole entire, the whole, the whole thing was that you got your phone for a penny, but your monthly plan was so expensive. And by the way, you had to pay a month up front. So you're prorated by the time you got out of the store. I mean, you were, you know, this, this, a month plan would turn into $150, $200. And people would be like, why is my bill $200? And then we politely explain all the details that we kind of glazed over. Now, I was never misleading, believe me. But I I think some people were. And those were the people I had to clean up after with their bills when they came in. And so, anyway. But I think that's what's happening here. I don't want to say that the person is being nefarious, but I think that they're leaving some things out and not explaining other things properly, but there is no such thing as just a free $700 phone anymore. They are getting you some way. And in this case, they are making up the price of that phone over the increased charges to your monthly plan over time. And that's, that's really what they're doing. I've seen people where they activate an additional line on like a, an iPad to get it for free. And it's never free. It is never free. You're always paying in some way, even if you're paying more for your monthly service than you have to. Because uh, for you, Michael, honestly, I would recommend switching to what's called Visible. And you can get a unlimited plan for $40 a month. And if you have your brother and sister on it, it even drops down further because they take off $5 a month for each additional person. So you can have you for 40. And actually, I think it goes down for all three of you. So I think it would end up being like $30 a month for each of you. So Anyway, that's what I would look into, Michael, as, uh, as a way to really save money. You'll have to pay for your phone, but you can actually save money month in, month out, and not really need to think about all this stuff. All right, I talked about Microsoft Edge and Microsoft just a little bit ago, but uh, I, you know, so I ended up switching back to Chrome, which I'm kind of regretting, even though I just love Chrome, but I should go back to Edge. But Edge, they continue to do cool things. Now they're adding a password uh, generator. And I'm getting a lot of questions in the new year about 
passwords and password management. And for good reason, because everyone's getting hip to the fact that we don't want to be hacked and we want our passwords to be strong. So use a password program. Uh, you can use LastPass, you can use Dashlane, you can use 1Password, or I recommend if you are on a platform, like if you're only using Google stuff, an Android phone along with Chrome on your computer, you can use built into Chrome, they have a password function. So uh, let's see where you find it. You go into more tools, you can go into, let's see, okay, sorry, settings, and uh, let's see, autofill, and then passwords. And you can say, offer to save passwords. And boom, you can just Chrome, when you are when you come up against a website that needs a password, it will help you make one. It will save that for you. It will tr retrieve it the next time you try to log in. And you can also, you know, copy and paste passwords out of Chrome into other products as well. And it'll all work on your Android phone. Now, if you are using iOS stuff or an Apple stuff only. So I'm talking iOS, Android or iOS uh, iPhone and an Apple computer and iPad, then go ahead and use what's built into Apple, which is uh, their own password program. So you can go into settings and go into passwords and then it can say autofill passwords and just turn that on and make sure that iCloud keychain is turned on. And now again, the same thing. When you when you get up against a password or a, a form that needs to be filled out with a password or a new app you sign up for, it will say, hey, we'll suggest a password for you. It will save those. It will plug them back in when you need them. And it's pretty simple. And on your desktop, if you're using Safari or you know Mac computer, it will do the same thing. Now, if you're using a bunch of different devices like I am, you want to use one of these third-party services. So now Edge has one, so you can use that. And, uh, you know, or you can use one of these other ones I mentioned, like LastPass, Dashlane, or 1Password. But anyway, uh, in the new Microsoft Edge, they do have the new password generator and keeper. So you can just use that as well. Um, yeah, there you have it. All right, let's get to another question here. So many questions. Hey, Rich, love keeping up with you and all the updates and reviews. Question, Amber X, personal cloud storage. Have you had a chance to review these types of devices yet? Thank you for your time, Leo. So Amber X, I uh, got to look this one up because I was not uh, aware of this. Your privacy first personal cloud. And the immediate thing I see on this website is Indiegogo. So I am going to say nothing against Indiegogo or against Kickstarters, but honestly, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if this is a thing that you want to purchase because it's, is it available? Is it shipping? Um, uh, let's see. Uh, estimated shipping April, 2021. So Maybe it's great, but you know, let's wait till April 2021 for our decision on this thing. It's basically, from what I can see, it looks like a file, your own personal cloud storage device that you can put, you know, all your stuff in, and it's like kind of like Google Drive, but from anywhere. Now, if you want something like this, there's a couple things that are already available that do it already, and so I would recommend looking into something called EB, which is IBI. And they already have a device that will collect your photos and it's made by Western Digital. 
And so, you know, it's a company that's reputable and it's private, nothing shared with the cloud. And that is $90 for one terabyte of storage. And again, no monthly fees. You can plug your stuff into the back of it, like your cards, and it will it will find all that stuff. Or you can um, set, put an app on your phone and it will find the stuff on your app as well. Or, you know, the app will find the pictures that you take on your phone. So EB is uh, the thing that I recommend. If you want a little bit of more of a industrial solution, um, there is a drive that I use uh, called Synology, S-Y-N-O-L-O-G-Y. And Synology is more of a build-your-own solution. It's basically a network-attached storage drive that you put in your house. And the magic is really their software. They, they do all kinds of stuff. But you put a hard drive in this or a couple. And next thing you know, you can put all your stuff on there, save it, store it, and it will work. I don't use this anymore because I don't really have a reason to. But if you know, if you still want to have all your stuff private and on your own cloud, um, you know, those are the ways to do it. I actually need to set this back up again because I need to sync my Google Drive to it. I used to have it synced back when Google Drive would sync your Google Photos. I would have a copy of my Google Photos synced to my Synology at all times. Ever since they made Google Photos its own thing and very locked up, um, and you can't just sync it with anything, which is really unfortunate. I. I'm kind of in a tough place right now because the only way to get your Google Photos is to download them completely. And I do think that Google needs to address this issue and make either an agreement with something like an EB or something like a Synology to let you sync your photos in your collection to a hard drive. Or, I mean, literally they just need, they just need to link up with a Wi-Fi connected hard drive with software and say, you know, and, and just have one thing where you can just say a click and say, just please download a copy of my photos at all times. Like keep this in sync with my Google photos. And I don't know why Google's not doing that because it's kind of a major, a major issue for me as someone who has built up an entire collection inside, a, inside Google photos in the cloud. I need a physical copy of my photos somewhere and I need them with me at all times. And right now I don't have that, which is kind of a problem. So good question. Um, but yeah, check out the alternatives that I mentioned. All right, let's see. Let's do maybe one more story. Uh, Netflix coming out with a shuffle button. And the only reason I mention this, because I think it's cool, but I think they could go a step further. So that, you know, I'm sorry, but, and maybe I've talked about this in the show, but if you're sitting down to Netflix with literally no clue as to what you want to watch and you're so desperate that you have to press a shuffle button to like have something start playing without you doing anything, um, Ah, you've got a lot of time on your hands. So, and yes, I sit down to the TV and sometimes I don't know to watch and I do sit there in my limited time that I watch stuff, but I kind of have an idea of what I want to see. And especially with YouTube, you know, and all these things, they have personalized homepages to help you find that stuff. But like, you should be a little bit more targeted, but you know, if you're not, whatever. But what I do think would be cool is if they took this shuffle feature a little bit further and they actually shuffled movie scenes. I think that would be cool. So if I'm sitting down to watch Netflix and maybe, or maybe I just want my TV on in the background, I can just hit shuffle, like shuffle sports movie scenes, shuffle notable, you know, uh, crime movie scenes, shuffle notable uh, holiday scenes for the holidays. I think that would be cool. And I don't think it would take much for Netflix to do that because all their stuff is probably cataloged anyway. But that's the feature I'd like to see. I, I'm sorry to knock you if you think this, the shuffle feature is really cool, but I don't know. I'm sorry, but 
I'm not going to sit down and like discover a new movie by pressing a shuffle button. And like, next thing you know, I'm like, oh, wow, cool. I'll just sit here for the next two hours watching this. Like, don't, don't think so. I like the idea of it more being in the background. The shuffle, the shuffle scene feature is what I want. Um, and yeah, the, the stuff that they're shuffling, they say will be based on an algorithm of stuff you've previously watched. But I can't imagine a world where I sit down on a Friday night and I just press a shuffle button on Netflix and let Netflix just play some random show for me. I just can't imagine that. So I guess it's popular enough where people want it. But for me personally, I just don't need that. All right, let's see here. Uh, oh my gosh, so many questions, so many questions. Let's see what else. Um, okay, let's do this question as my final question. Uh, let's see, Patricia writes in, couple of questions regarding this year's CES, of which I still miss attending for work. I saw the segment regarding the new Samsung Galaxy S21 Ultra. I am not in need of a new phone. However, with the constant changes with the cameras, Perhaps late 2021, early 2022, I would consider. Based on your tech experience between Apple, user since 2005, and Samsung, which do you prefer? Would it be used for phone, camera, and some stored docks and minimal social network? Maybe play a game once in a while. You could say I'm old school. I use the phone for basics. So good question, Patricia, but I find that it's really tough for me to tell you whether you should go with Samsung or Apple, because I really think that it comes down to sort of your personal preference and a user's personal preference. So, you know, what Apple fans like about Apple products is that it's simple. It works. All the accessories kind of come from Apple. They all work together seamlessly. And there are also tons of third-party options for accessories, things like cases and add-ons and mounts and lights and all kinds of stuff that works around the iPhone. I mean, it's an entire industry. And you also have the best selection of apps on the iPhone. And I'm not just saying that to be facetious, like apps seem to work better on iOS. I don't know what it is, if the developers take longer to code them, or if there's less devices to code for, so they just work better and they seem prettier. But that's just the case. Now, with Samsung, I think what you get there is you get sort of the anti-iPhone, right? iPhone is the thing that a lot of people have. When you have a Samsung, you're kind of saying, I'm not having an iPhone, right? When you see someone that has a Samsung, you kind of ask, oh, why? I don't know why. That's just the reason, which is kind of what we do. And so people have their reasons for, oh, I don't really care about phones. I just got this. Or I like Samsung because I don't like Apple. Or I like Samsung for this feature, X feature. And I feel like with Samsung, they are kind of known as always pushing the envelope. So the features you see on the Samsung devices eventually come to Apple a couple years later, but Apple does put their own spin on them and many times they perfect them. Like I wouldn't be surprised if we see a space zoom feature on the iPhone in a couple years, but it might be perfected, you know, whereas we're seeing it right now for the past two years on Android with Samsung, but it's, is it perfect? No. Does it work? Yes. Is it cool? Yes. Um, now the price ranges is also another thing. Now I think Apple's gotten a lot better about having phones in various price ranges in recent years, but Samsung has been known for having phones in all kinds of price ranges and their phones are also, I would say much more discounted with various deals than the Apple phones are. So 
you say you want basic. It really depends. If you've been using iPhone and you're fine with it since 2005, then stick to iPhone. All your stuff's in there. You've got all the apps that you purchased. But if you want to change, you want to try something different, go with the S20 and, and see how you like it. I don't think you need the Ultra because you said you're basic. And, um, you know, if you don't need all those extra features, why pay for them? And I do think if you were doing, if you told me you're doing something like video capture or content creation or editing or social media posting, I would say iPhone is a little bit better for that. Or if you said, I need a smartwatch, I do think iPhone is better. But I think this Samsung is going to be perfectly fine if you, um, you know, if you so choose. I would also look into something like the Pixel 5 because, or the Pixel 4a 5G because they have a, that has a slightly bigger screen. It's got great software and it will probably do the things that you need. Uh, it really depends. If you want to, if you want to step away from iPhone, then I think you'll be fine on the Android side at this point. They're between the Samsung Galaxy S20 lineup, or sorry, did I say S20 this whole time? S21 lineup and the Pixel, the latest Pixels, I think you're going to find something that is uh, going to suit your needs. So good question. I don't get it very often anymore. But uh, it is something that, um, you know, people do wonder about. And for myself, I think that Samsung, you know, like I said, I love iPhone. I mean, I really do. I think there's so many amazing things you can do on it. But I also see the beauty of the operating system on Android that just kind of lets you do as you please. You know, you can really customize it to your to a great, great extent. All right, well, that music means it is the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to submit a question for me to answer, you can do it two ways. You can go to richontech.tv slash podcast. Look for the little microphone button in the lower right-hand corner of the screen and leave a voicemail for me. Or you can email me. Just email hello at richontech.tv. Also, if you would rate and review this podcast, that will help other folks discover it. Just go to ratethispodcast.com slash richontech. You can find me on all social media platforms at Rich on Tech. That's Instagram, that's Facebook, that's Twitter. I've been spending most of my time on Instagram these days, but I am popping in on all of them for sure. My name is Rich Demiro. Thank you so much for listening. Have a fantastic day. Stay safe, and I will talk to you very soon.